0: Hello and welcome to Board Stupid, the podcast that loves talking tabletop board games, D&D and other awesome stuff. I'm Wayne. I'm Tom. We're just nerds talking about the things we love that are worth geeking out over. So Tom, are you ready? I am. I'm ready and if you guys are ready, let's dive into a brand new format. Let's dive in this week's episode. This week it's the september 2021 board stupid monthly review in this show we're going to talk about our favorite gaming moments of the past month we're going to discuss our pick of the most interesting crowdfunding projects in the world today the next big thing to take a slice out of our wage packets and break down the tabletop gaming news stories that tickle our respective fancies so uh, before we even begin simon's missing today that stuck on a bus somewhere, I think. Stuck on a bus. Or, or, more or perhaps th- not
1: stuck on a bus somewhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he wishes he was on a bus. He is uh, in the middle of nowhere, I guess, waiting for buses. Mm-hmm. Poor Simon. He wishes well, he could be here. Yeah, I would mock him and say, you know, screw public transport, but then I can't find any fuel. <laughs> 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 so I'm stuck at home anyway because yeah. you can't walking places. Yeah, I know it. W- it wouldn't be so bad if I didn't live, you know, in Roffey, and everything that I like to go to is in Crawley, which is yeah eight miles away. And it, I, it, I, it is a bit
1: unfortunate. Yeah, well, less unfortunate than actually living in Crawley. <laughs> it's a, it's what we call a safe arm's reach. Yeah, yeah. it's it's touching distance, <laughs> but you're not going to catch anything. Yeah. I've had all my jabs. <laughs> <laughs> I need to make sure uh, I've got my Kevlar vest. Mm-hmm. Socially distance. Socially from distanced
0: from Crawley. Happily so. Well, we miss you, Simon, and you'll be on for the next uh, monthly review. So we're going to experiment with this one and see what the reaction is. So we'll start then with the month in review. Tom, what has been your favourite gaming moment? Or moments over the past couple of months. Couple of months.
1: I, I want to give an honourable mention straight away to Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. Yeah, um, we have been playing this at the Tilgate Community Centre Crawley Gaming Club mm-hmm. for the last six weeks or so. Yep, that's right. Playing weekly, really, really getting into the way that Gloomhaven works without. I'm going to be harsh without all the unnecessary additional gumpf weighing it down.
0: Yeah, and to be honest, I don't have Gloomhaven, and we've played it, I think, for the very first time on Tabletop Simulator during Mm -hmm. the middle of the apocalypse. I saw Jaws of the Lion at the comic shop Crawley available for 35 quid, and I I thought to myself, well, sod it, I'll pick it up. It's got great reviews. And frankly, over these last six weeks of playing it, we're what? barely halfway
1: into the campaign yeah so we're we're sort of guessing because we don't want to look ahead too much yeah but we have been distracted doing some side quest options and we've sort of finished one main chapter so yeah. probably think we're yeah probably less than halfway less through. than halfway through and Which i'm thinking good. this is enough gloomhaven
0: for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. there's a couple of reasons for that i have so many games and we you yep. also tom we between us we have a Mountainous collection of board games that if we were to actually have the full on Gloomhaven experience, we'd be playing weekly for the
1: next bloody year. And I, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, as I can't much as it. I love the mechanics and it is I, good, I, I yeah. love the way it works. This is exactly as much Gloomhaven as I think I have time for, and I really sort of relish being able to play lots of different games. So, yeah, I can see getting bored of Gloomhaven. Yeah, Um, and I'm sure there's plenty of people who've played through it and have lots of reasons to sort of, you know, tell its its virtues. But this is this is enough, and it's it's a really really compact box. It's still got a huge amount of stuff in the box. Yeah, it's got a little bit of branching story. It's got lots of scenarios. It's Mm -hmm. got four really interesting classes. We're having a blast. It's been great, and. For the
0: specific gaming moment, yeah. I'm, I'll Bull, share bullshit with Bullshit golem full of snakes. Yeah. Oh, my God. That, <laughs> like, we went to the very last possible yep. moment to win that scenario. Yep. Everyone is going to die. There's, like, one hit in it or we lose the scenario. We, we
1: lose if the red guard falls. That's right. And I was on my last two cards. It was... Literally, the last action of the game I was going to be able to take. Yeah, I just had to survive the round with a load of snakes trying to eat me, <laughs>
0: throwing yeah. out every possible defence. All of my burn all my cards, burn mm-hmm. all my abilities, mm-hmm. burn all my resources. It's quite cleverly done that game, in as much as, and I'm sure we'll get the chance to talk about it and do the we play when we finish the sub, the whole campaign. But yeah, it seems
1: very much designed to take you to the edge. Mm right to the limit of your stuff. Yeah, th- there've been a couple of scenarios that we've played where they've been reasonably tough, but it felt like the way that we've sort of, you know, played as a team, the synergies between the classes yeah. have played out really, really well and it's been tough but not too difficult. Yeah. Yeah, from a from, you know, from the perspective of playing with four players who are reasonably sort of strategic we can sort of plan out exactly what we're going to do. There's quite a lot of good interaction between uh-huh. between the classes. And then there's been a couple of scenarios where we've just been really squeaky bum at the last, <laughs> the last moment. Yeah, yeah,
0: seriously squeaky bum time. It has been a blast. Mm. I want to pick out when we played, uh, I think, you for the first time and we had Nick over and we played Project Elite. Oh, yeah. Project Elite, and the specific moment in that game was when you had essentially a boss rush. Three three (laughs) bosses at once. On one side of the table. And then me and Nick were trying to deal with a horde, just a horde of countless grunt enemies Mm -hmm, piling mm -hmm. towards us. And I had this super cinematic moment in my head where I had an objective locked down. I'd spent all of my action dice to say, I've got this objective, Nick. All you need to do is please hold the line. Just, I'll do this, you defend me. And he's just failing to load his gun, yeah. <laughs> falling over, everything's jamming, he can't get away.
1: <laughs> so, I could, oh you could hear him screaming at the other end of the table.
0: Yeah, he was. Uh, it was so stressful, but in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'll remember that. Probably for the foreseeable future, it was yeah. a really enjoyable game. Okay, so we talked about our gaming moments. What is your game of the month, Tom? And that's not necessarily the best one that you've played or even one that you have played this month, but what's your game of the month that you want to highlight? I was actually
1: going to say Everdell Mm. because I picked up a new expansion for it. But actually, having thought about it again today, I, I, I want to sort of bump it down the list one and I want to highlight Red Rising. Oh, okay. Which, That's we, which we played last week. I'd it up in the shop a couple of times. Um, they'd sold that copy and it sort of passed out of living memory. <laughs> um, and then it turned out that they had a shop copy. So we gave it a go last week. Mm-hmm. And it's a really clever little hand management game. It's got some of the similar mechanics to almost like uh, Raiders of the Lost... where you you play an action. In this case, you play a card, and when you play a card, it does something. It does a deploy action, and you play it to a specific location, and then you pick up from a different location, one of four options. You activate a benefit based on the column that you pick up from, and you get to pick up a new card that you can then Mm. play later. So in a way, you're always sort of managing a hand size that stays more or less the same with some little variations, Mm. Um, and you're trying to build the most powerful hand that you can of only a handful of cards to get you the most possible points at the very end of the game. It was really... It was surprisingly deep considering it. there wasn't a huge amount in the box. It's yeah. mostly just a stack of cards and a few tokens.
0: Do you know what? I thought that was a very, very interesting design. Again, hmm. Stonemaier, Jamie Stegmaier done a good job on this one. Apparently, the Red Rising book series is one of his favourite book series. Uh, yeah, I, I
1: have... Well, and maybe this was probably... More of an appeal for me because I've read some of the books, whereas yeah. I don't think anyone else. No, I had played with, a clue. had a yeah. clue what was going on. Um, so every now and then, someone would play a character. And I'm like, oh, it's that named character. It's that guy and, from and the books. Just is like blank, blank looks from everyone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. So having having read a couple of the books and sort of knowing a little bit about it, it was really interesting to see. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those games where knowing what's in the deck and what's on offer makes a big difference. If you're playing it for the first time, you're Playing blind, uh, you don't really know what's available, so you don't, you can't sniff out the tricks before they happen.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and there's a
1: lot of comboing in that game, especially yeah. for the end game scoring. We didn't, for example, know when we started playing that there were effectively counter spells yeah. <laughs> in the game. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think, uh, yeah, spell. Eric Eric got counter spelled a few times in a row and yeah. uh, had a bit of a sulk about it, and uh... <laughs> 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 that was fine. <laughs> Um, I want to highlight my game of the month mostly
0: because I've played it more in the last I suppose, I want to say six weeks than I have since I bought it, which is Smartphone Inc. Mm. I feel like the more I play it, the more I like it. Yeah, I really really like Smartphone Inc. Right, yeah. it's and I liked it the first time I played it, and mm-hmm. it wasn't like oh this is
1: a slow burner. Maybe it's a maybe it's a grower, not a shower. <laughs> it was uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, you, you you see it on the shelf and you think this is a game. This is a, a very very dry looking Euro economy game Here's about selling game. phones. Yeah. yeah. And you look at the box and you look at the art and it's like, oh my god, this is this does not look interesting at all. Yeah. I, I would not have picked it up just on the virtue of the artwork and how the box presents itself. Uh huh. But having played it, brilliant, really really good. Yeah. I'll just, I can't say enough good things about it. Mm. Mostly because of
0: the amount of interaction and bs that it has managed to generate at the
1: table which is great the yeah the price point wars to determine turn order it's a really really clever mechanic you have to sacrifice and you're doing it all blind you're bluffing yeah you have to sacrifice price or you know potentially put your price up mm-hmm. and guess what other people are going to do in order to work out roughly what the turn order will be for the turn and and if you land in the wrong turn order you can get completely shafted oh you can get totally totally fucked by, yeah. by everyone else stealing uh, your market share
0: before you do yeah. it's really surprisingly aggressive and it rewards aggressive business planning <laughs> yes yeah. do you know what i mean it, mm. Uh, And as weirdly dry as that sounds, it's not. It's legitimately exciting. And you're watching as you set up in that really weird, one-of-a-kind business planning phase where you've got those two tablets that you're jiggling around into Mm. some sort of bizarre design to try and get the things that you want in a mechanism that I've never seen before and haven't seen since, which plays so perfectly in that game yeah. this is my game of the month for several reasons one being the more I play it the more I like it and it's jumped right up into my, my top games of all time at this point point. and for anyone that's listening and hasn't played it get yourself a copy or get yourself a,
1: a go to a shop a board game shop and borrow a copy play it with four players yeah. and enjoy see what you think yeah it's, it's a very dry looking game you've got to give it a try because it plays nothing like it looks. No, it presents itself as a
0: cube cube euro. Yeah. But it's Cube uh, Management Simulator cube management 2021. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cube management sim, exactly. But it's really not. It's uh loads of player interaction. Yeah, there's little steps as well. Oh yeah, exactly. Little, yeah, that's right, little step- and small little office shapes. Um uh-huh. uh, yeah, it's one of those. But brilliant game. Brilliant game. Can't say enough great stuff about Smartphone Inc. Listen to our "We Played" for more information on that game. Tom, did you buy any new games, or are you going to buy any new games this month? Possibly.
1: Uh, so, you know, I, I may pick up Red Rising, actually. Okay. But uh, I, th- I think, actually, my only buy this month was the uh, expansion for Everdell. Nice. Um Belfair, which, we, we, which played. we have tried. It's yeah. very good. Uh, Really enjoyed it, actually. Um, It's um, one of those expansions that's modular. Mm. So it's actually sort of half a dozen small additional things that you can add to the game in any combination that you like. You don't have to play with all of them. You can play with some of them. You can add the level of complexity that you want to add to the game. And I think it added quite a lot to the game. It it really did opened up the board we played with everything straight away yeah it opens up the board it gives you a lot more options it adds more of the same which i really like in expansions more variety is always good more variety in the actions that you 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 have access to the market mechanic was quite clever it was sort of constantly shifting mechanic rather than always doing the same thing on the same action and uh my personal favorite it made it so that um the the races that you were playing the little woodland critters that you're playing actually do something unique they had a special yeah asymmetric ability it, exactly yeah. it didn't change the game enormously no but it it certainly changed the way that i played the game
0: i love variable player powers mm. as a mechanism yeah I always think it's interesting if you can just throw that in as a little bit of asymmetry. Yeah.
1: And you don't need
0: it. No. But
1: it's an option. Yeah, yeah. good
0: shower good actually. Good pickup.
1: Yeah, uh, the other one, actually, I will mention, uh, not new this month, but something that we managed to get to the table for the first time this month was Aeon's End. Ah, yes. Which, that's I, which I bought months and months and months ago uh, in the depths of not being allowed to go outside. <laughs> yeah. um, it's been sitting on the shelf for ages. Shelf of shame. And, yeah, and we... Cracked that out uh, last week, and that was uh, really good fun as well. So m- maybe we'll have to play that one again, maybe do a- an episode on it at some yeah, point. Yeah, I
0: think a Wii Blade on Aeon's End will be good. Mm-hmm. Apparently there are tons of expansions for that, and it was savage. So yeah. um, actually, <laughs> God, we got, we got our asses handed us. Uh, for me, this month I bought a few, I say a few, mostly small games. So I bought Ticket to Ride London to take to the office. It's a small box, it's on my table right now, it's a small box edition of the classic Ticket to Ride set in sort of 60s London, but it essentially is Ticket to Ride condensed down to 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh. So it's all buses. Yeah, buses, exactly. Like London buses across London. Yeah, very, very good. Easy to pick up and play. It, it has that Ticket to Ride, but much smaller. Mm. It works great. Alongside that, I also picked up Century Spice Road, which we recently did a we Played episode on, and that has exceeded my expectations in terms of its game. It's great. Yeah, it's really, excellent really good. game, with the, our common criticism being the theme is lacking, but... The game is awesome. So it's a nice easy pick up and play uh hand management slash combo
1: builder. Yeah. I, I'm I'm definitely keen to maybe see uh the other games in that trilogy. The since yeah, it's a series, right? Mm.
0: So it's like a trilogy. So Emerson Matsuchi has made three standalone games with the interesting conceit that you could mix and match them to make a bigger, more complex experience, mm. which is fascinating from a design perspective.
1: Yeah, and, and they all look really quite different. They The, the do. second game, for example, adds a board, and it's, it's hex space, like Hexes and boats. Yeah, whereas there is no board no. <laughs> in the first game <laughs> at all. There's nothing.
0: <laughs> you have cards and cubes. Yeah. So, yeah, it would be interesting to see how they blend together and what the rules look like for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Because I've also heard that the second game in that series is more complex than Spice Road. So the second game is called Century Eastern Wonders. It's uh, again very, very different looking design and how that complements or maybe doesn't yeah, <laughs> Spice I, I'm just Road. I'm really like. curious
1: to see how these, these games plug together because it's not like your typical expansion. No, it's you, standalone. Yeah, like. You just sort of, you know, you, you connect something that is largely similar yeah. to the original game. They look Really very different.
0: I'm interesting to know if he designed them separately and mm. or did he have a full-on bigger project in mind. It's fascinating to think about.
1: I think on the box for Spice Road, it does say it's the first in a series and, and it makes it sound like that was the intention, yeah. which is really interesting.
0: Very interesting. And finally, Love Letter, but the Infinity Gauntlet, Ooh, or new version, yeah. which is actually a very brilliant implementation Of the love letter principle, love letter formula, 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 the love letter formula. Yeah, Yeah. it turns it from a competitive all the all into a one versus all game where one person has a Thanos deck
1: -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the rest are heroes. And we played what uh, three or four or five rounds. Yeah, we played more or less more or or less back to back because each each round takes. 15 minutes. Yeah, stops. 10 15 minutes max, yeah. And every single game was really close. <laughs> it went like, down to down the to, wire. Down to the wire. Every single time. Most of the time, it was literally if you guess this card correctly, you win. Otherwise, we lose. We win. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I
0: love that. I, the only other version of Love Letter that I've played, and actually, no, I tell all that. I've played two other versions of Love Letter, one being Archer and the other being Batman Love Letter, which is currently mm-hmm. out of print, which I proudly have a copy of here. Fantastic in their own right, this
1: really changes the formula.
0: It still feels like love letter, but better. Yeah, it's, it's, this it's, is it was, a was really interesting how they
1: developed it so that the one versus all thing still feels balanced.
0: Yeah, and it still feels like love letter. Yeah, and the theming is actually very strong with Thanos trying to, you know, gather the Infinity Stones. Yeah, yeah. brilliant design. Thoroughly recommended. Pick it up for fifteen quid, I think, or your local equivalent, and uh, you'll have a blast. You can take
1: it anywhere with you as well, which is awesome. Yep. super compact, tiny little bag. Everything's in in one. Little sort of, it's like a felt bag. Little isn't it? felt yeah, baggy, lovely. Oh, one more thing, I did also, which Tom,
0: you picked up there, and I totally forgot, I bought mm. uh, is the Fallout Atomic Bonds expansion. So I have Fantasy Flight's Fallout game, which we did a, a we played episode on, and it was hilarious. I mean, yep. we loved playing that. that was it was brilliant, really good fun, ridiculous game, really fun mechanisms as well. The common criticism of that game online is that the end game can feel anticlimactic. Mm. So this expansion turns it into a cooperative experience where you can more likely try and explore quest lines together as a group. Which seems pretty cool, and I like that idea, and I'm very excited to try it. We haven't tried it yet.
1: No, i have heard, heard some good things. We um, have heard very yeah. good things about uh, it, yeah. So definitely want to give it a try. I think we'll probably probably try and fit it in sometime in the next few weeks. Uh, the first time we played the Fallout game, I really enjoyed it, but yeah. uh, I made my own storyline. Uh, <laughs> and I played, played Fallout like I played Fallout 4, which is to ignore the main storyline and just wander off <laughs> Wander off, off into the wasteland yeah, yeah. and... Uh... So happens. yeah, I I I, sh- I, sh- I think I shared the criticism in the end that it did end quite abruptly. Yeah, and it felt like certainly certainly because we were all sort of going in our own directions. For some people, it probably felt unsatisfying. Yeah, suddenly having the the game end and you're not managing to sort of finish your storyline. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting, you know. It's one of those games where it's got a lot of sort of pick your own adventure elements, and it's got a yeah. huge deck of different options. But then you don't you don't see enough of it. Yeah. It's really it's like tantalizing. Yeah. And the game and then the game ends. You're like, damn it! I wanted to see what was next. <laughs> yeah, and the
0: journey is fun. Mm. It just feels like it lacks an, uh, an adequate conclusion. So I think mm. this will hopefully resolve that, and I'm excited to play it. So. I,
1: I, I like I like the idea of seeing it sort of. Focused um, and yeah. maybe maybe sort of you know having everyone working on the same storyline or um, for the same faction for, in yeah. the same yeah in the same direction at least yeah. you it feels like you'll see a more cohesive story yeah
0: okay let's move on to our crowdfunding review for the month of September 2021 uh, Tom did you fund anything or did you find anything interesting in uh, Kickstarter or Gamefound or any of your other crowdfunding platforms?
1: Uh, so, I can't remember whether it was this month. It might have actually been last month, but we haven't done this before, so I'm going to cheat.
0: <laughs> That's fine. Um,
1: the, yeah, the most recent thing that I funded is a game called ISS Vanguard, mm. which I stumbled across because it kept getting advertised to me on, oh, I think it was on Facebook. And, you know, once you, once you accidentally click on the link once, it turns up every five minutes. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it suddenly yeah, you know, yeah interferes so, with uh, every aspect of your life. somewhere in the yeah in the Facebook uh, algorithm programming center has has pegged me for a uh, you know a guy who likes uh, campaign and sort of legacy games yeah. that sort of thing. So I, I took a look at it. It looked really really interesting. It's another one of these games that has a million editions and miniatures and everything. And I I just went for the retail version. I curbed my enthusiasm. <laughs> um. But it looks really, really interesting, and it's very different from everything else that I have. So it's a game that focuses very, very heavily on exploration. You are the crew of an exploration vessel called the ISS Vanguard, Mm -hmm. basically traveling on a spaceship through space between planets trying to basically explore different planets, uncover this sort of mystery storyline that's uh, built into the game over the course of the campaign. And it really, really caught my attention because it It has... It looks amazing, to be fair. It has, at its its heart, a lot of ship management, uh, loads of upgrades. It has something similar to what you see in asymmetrical games. It actually reminded me of XCOM, Yep, okay although it's not really the same game but each crew member takes a role on the ship yep. and their role determines what decisions they make on behalf of the crew for the ship mm-hmm. So you'll have like you know a crew of NPCs that you can assign to various tasks but the main characters that you play will be for example the captain or the pilot or the you know the, the guy who's in charge of all the scientific development or the mechanic. And those players will get to not play their own game, but they get to decide certain developments uh, and actions that are carried out between mm-hmm. exploration missions that then give you access to you know extra gadgets, extra technologies uh, that you, you your captain might decide which planet you go to next. The pilot might make sure that you get there safely or you interact with various. You know, yeah, uh, it feels like things a, along the way. It's like a a non deadly nemesis.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm
1: sort of waiting to see how it plays out. The, yeah. the sort of the feedback that I've seen so far, they've actually boiled down some of the ship management stuff, which is good. Uh, okay. They've still kept a lot of it, but it sounds like they've boiled it down to be more manageable. Right, it's more of a sort of you know a half hour ship management phase and Mm -hmm. then you do an exploration phase which is like maybe an hour or something like that so you can play it in a session yeah in a reasonable sort of episodic format whereas before apparently it was particularly for new players it could run up to two hours for the uh, ship development stuff I love a really micromanagey game though. Yeah, you do like a deep euro so But you know, I can see I can see other people falling asleep at the table while I'm (laughs) while I'm moving all my cubes around on various resource tracks. So (laughs) just loving life. Life with with the cube management. Yeah, so I'm I'm really, really keen to see this. It comes with some really, really beautiful presentation so that all the ship development stuff is kept in a binder. Yeah you get cards for events and technologies and all sorts of stuff, and they're put into the binder in see-through sleeves. Oh, I like that. Which is really, really cool. That's cool. So the different rooms on the ship have their own page, and you slot the cards in. Wow, that's interesting. I like that. It's a real nice thing. So it's not not fully legacy. You don't destroy cards, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. But it's a campaign game, and you save the game between sessions. That seems to be the new direction, at least, for a lot of
0: game design, is... Campaign it's games, it's resettable. Mov- yeah, moving on from legacy games into something that you can play over a long period, like Oath, for example. You could play that over a period of time, and then it doesn't matter. You can have new people in. Yeah, doesn't matter if you start again, or you can just continue. And mm-hmm. that seems to be the way the industry is going, at least for for now. I want to highlight a few games. One which I probably won't. Well, two that I won't back for sure, and two that I might. Um, one being Eleven. Which is on GameFound, it's a football manager board game, which is something mm. that I would not have thought, which I would have thought would have been done more often and more regularly considering obviously football being one of the world's biggest sports, And um, by football I mean soccer, proper football. <laughs> um, I say that I love American football I don't know why I even said that anyway so, but, that but do you, me... would you like
1: a board game about American football I
0: think I kind of would depending yeah, on depends it depends
1: I mean, on the board game I, ball. yeah,
0: depends. yeah exactly, <laughs> football, exactly. <laughs> it's Blub...
1: less about football and more about kicking the shit out of people yeah so. exactly
0: mm-hmm. Blood Bowl exists so it's mm-hmm. fine but this is more of like an economy game so it's about managing the club, so at the club management it's director the, level. The football manager side. Like football manager, the video game, back in... Football manager, the video game, yeah. the board game. Yeah, exactly, football yeah. manager, the video game, the board game. So, But an economy strategy game, the idea being to manage and grow your own football club over the course of a season, hmm. competitively against other people. So it seems really good, and I was super close to backing it. It was designed by the same guy that designed Robin Robinson Crusoe. And that's it. Ah, okay. So yeah, yeah. Um, I have faith in the game design. I just didn't pull the trigger on this one for no reason other than I've got a ton of other games that I need to potentially purchase and fund. <laughs> uh, this
1: one just didn't yeah. quite make the cut. You know, I, I fell into a pit when Kickstarter really took off yeah. and had a bunch of games all on back order at the same time. You get yeah. burned on some things. and yep. It's very off-putting. So I try now to only sort of have one thing on order at a time. Trying to be very if selective. Possible. If possible. I stumbled across a game called EOS Island of Angels, yep. which is... Do you know what? I, I saw that as well. And I saw so many
0: bad like terrible comments on there that i it's a shame so it like
1: it looks good it's by a guy called felix Murticat. now he designed a game that i played a few years ago called Sukiyumi. yeah it was full moon down full moon down which i've only ever come across one person who has a copy of it a friend of mine backed it all in and got absolutely everything for it i think and it is a really really interesting i've heard it's very game good. highly highly strategic there is no random elements to it at all there's no there's not there's no cards that i can recall there's no dice everything is resolved on a hex based map mm-hmm. and all of the stats of everything that you use are available sort of on the little standees that that are available and each faction is highly highly asymmetric
0: yeah it has all of those elements that i like in board yeah. games the general feedback based on the Sukiyomi project mm. and people's general reluctance has really put me off that project. I mean, it, mm. if people are like, mm-hmm. you know, please fix what we did here. Why has there been so many production issues? Why yeah. has there been this, that, and the other?
1: I, I, I gather that they had a, a sort of fairly uh, well-known failure on yeah. a previous project which sounds like it's put a lot of people off but I was taking a look at it today actually it's the last day to back it today yeah I think I won't back it I think it looks interesting but maybe not quite what I was looking for yeah yeah it was, it was sort of it's always interesting having a troll through kickstarter and seeing seeing the companies and the people who you know resurface time and time again and you see aspects of games that might get recycled or you see the you know the dna like with with Stonemaier games it's very obvious dna yeah that gets exactly. carried across between games uh one that i'm never gonna bag but it's
0: weird and i sent you the link so take a take a peek it's called the ultimate the multifunctional dice design that is supposed to completely replace Ooh, your four table. I chamber. saw these. <laughs> I looks, saw these on Reddit. This yeah. looks completely mental. It's, it's yeah. Um, it looks utterly one, mental. One dice fits all. Y- yeah. Mm. So <laughs> the idea being, obviously if you've, Played RPGs, you played D D. You're used to your standard set of dice. Mm-hmm. So you got your D twenty, your D twelve, your D ten. Familiar shapes. Yeah, yeah, familiar shapes. This is like a giant
1: testicle of. <laughs> <laughs> so, so to me, this is the one hundred sided D one yeah, hundred. yeah. But they have cleverly broken it up to represent every dice from a D four to a D twenty. Yes. Including percentile dice.
0: So you just roll it, and then yeah. it'll come up with something. And then that's your... The thing is, though, I watched the advertising video for it, and they're like, just watch how easy it is mm. and to work out what the dice spaces are. They're like, roll it. And they're like, this is a seven. I was like, I can't, <laughs> I can't even see a seven. <laughs> this uh, this is a D4 result. I like, well, okay, fine. I imagine if you got used to it, it would be fine. Yeah. But... um. I'm not sure about that one. It's a
1: weird one. Yeah, I mean, I've owned a 100-sided D100 before, and uh, they're a pain in the ass because they never stop rolling. Yeah. Because they've got tiny, tiny faces, and it's so easy to have a cock dice. It's just a ball. It's a. It's basically a ball. It's a slightly <laughs> rough ball. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Uh... It's an interesting idea, but I have, you know, approximately 8 million normal dice, so yeah, I don't really need one very confusing dice. Yeah, and I, and I think it's sort of um, a misnomer to think that,
0: sorry, a misunderstanding to think that tabletop role players don't want more dice we yeah, always yeah. want more dice <laughs> yeah that's we, true <laughs> we don't want less dice so um no i thought that was an interesting one and go check it out anyway mm-hmm. the ultimate the multifunctional dice can i drop one more one yeah more? Uh, I've got so another one that i, I saw
1: on game found is lords of ragnarok
0: i've got that one on yeah. my yeah. list to talk about so lords this, of Ragnarok. this
1: is the uh, essentially successor Yep. To Lords of Hellas, which Great came out a game. couple of games a couple of years ago. Uh, I've played it a couple of times. Uh, again, a friend of mine backed it and has, you know, all of the stuff. Yeah. Really really interesting game. It plays with asymmetric paths through the game to victory. Yes. Uh, you know, you could you can try and win the game Via a monument building and, and through, uh, through pure territory through control, territory or control, slaying beasties, being being a hero and going yeah. killing killing the mythic monsters of ancient Greece. Yeah. It's awesome, yeah. really, really clever. And then I took a look at Lords of Ragnarok. It really caught my eye earlier. Again, it's one of these games that has lots and lots and lots of miniatures, but they've taken almost sort of a traditional Danish Norse uh, Viking blood rage um, mythology. And it's all—it's like a sci-fi version of it. It's
0: like they did with Lords of Hellas. It's, it's really Greek really mythology, cool. yeah. but sort
1: of smashed together with sci-fi.
0: Now, the thing that I had with that is it didn't really play out in the game. Like they had this weird Greek mythology slash sci-fi mecha. It looked awesome it was like as Like well. Mecha Hydra or yeah, whatever it was. It was yeah. like. That didn't really impact the game, it's just flavour. They could have had it pure Greek mythology, it would have made no difference at all. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Interesting miniatures, really, really cool looking sculpts. Um, I'm always a little bit wary about buying a Kickstarter game or a GameFound game that has lots of miniatures because they take up lots of space. Yes. Um, And it's always a bit hit and miss. I have seen the miniatures from Lords of Hellas and they came out very well. Yeah. They did have some problems with, you know, guys with bendy spears. Uh, they uh, but, always do with that the have plastic. apparently They have apparently actually made a big point of changing the plastic production now yeah. to more like the Ankh plastics. The rigid plastics, yeah. So hopefully, no more guys with wilty spears. <laughs> There's pills you can take for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Lords of Ragnarok was one that I'm
0: intending to fund, actually. So it's in campaign preview at the moment. It is, as you say, the spiritual successor to Lords of Hellas by Awaken Realms, so the same people that also did Nemesis, Mm -hmm. and by the same designer of both, Adam Kwepinski. So very excited
1: about that one. Mm -hmm. Pretty much guarantee it will be high quality. Uh, Perhaps a little bit baffling and confusing. but uh, Baffling, confusing,
0: probably a a sort of weird esoteric rulebook uh, with things in the wrong place or unexpected places. Yeah. But it will be
1: a good game. But they're, they're good games to play regardless. I can, yeah. I can overlook those things, whereas sometimes that's a real um, game changer.
0: And finally, I want to talk about Voidfall. This literally launched today, I think, or yesterday. Oh, I'm immediately Immediately intrigued. intrigued. Okay, good. So uh, Tom's just taking a look at it. So this is a space-based Euro style 4x Ooh, game. This is this is
1: my thing. Yeah, yeah definitely. Quite, right.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, so this is this is absolutely a thing that would speak to a lot of our interests and one that would really fit in for us to play
1: in Ooh. our gaming group. Recess game boards. I'm yeah. sold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: double layered recess game boards. Are you kidding me? So yeah, a 4x game that also that has both a competitive mode and a cooperative mode. And is 4x, and I like Scythe, which is kind of a 4x light. I'm hoping this goes slightly beyond that. And again, it's a minimum luck gameplay. Has resource management, has sort of a, an, an inbuilt economy, but also on a grand space opera scale, reclaiming the remnants of a, a shattered dominion. It looks it looks fantastic. The production looks incredible. They have, the, an, a, they have an
1: option for all the tokens in metal. If you really want to buy something that comes in five boxes and weighs 20 kilos. That's And if you want to pay exasperating
0: shipping costs, then absolutely feel free to do so. But it comes with a million bits, but it looks like this is right up my strata. A deep, interesting
1: Euro, sci-fi themed or space themed. I'll, uh, I'll definitely have to take a closer look at that later. That looks really interesting. Uh, yeah. it, it actually, it reminds me of a couple of other similar... 4x space games that I passed up last year. Yeah, uh, and I, I kind of regret doing so because uh-huh, again, okay. it, it's it's one of those things that I don't I don't think I have that particular niche filled. Yeah, I got a lot of games, but I've got quite a lot of games that are similar themes, and um, I don't think I've got enough big 4x games. Definitely.
0: So I I certainly don't have enough of those. Um, Scythe being really the only I suppose 4x, and it's really just a 4x light. Um, this one looks like it might really scratch that itch, and it just looks awesome. So it's already got, I think, a quarter of a million pounds of funding. Uh, its original goal was one hundred and twenty-eight ish thousand pounds, and it's day one. So this looks like it might be a good one. See who's the who's the producer? Mind Clash Games. It's their seventh Kickstarter, apparently. Ah, okay. Mind Clash Games did Anachrony, which is a game oh, that I was very yeah. interested okay. in. Yep. Again, a heavy sort of time and space themed Euro. So that was very successful, I almost picked that up. So if it's by that team, then yeah, color me interested. Hmm. Now it's time for the news. So let's start with news from the world of tabletop board games. At the moment, literally right now, as we speak to actually probably not as we speak to you, because this is going to be released on the Friday, but at the moment of recording, it's Gen Con 2021. Mm, mm-hmm. So Gen Con is the biggest board games expo, exposition and convention in North America. It's one that I would like to go to as
1: sort of a bucket list item at some point, uh, along with Spiel, yep. which we should yep. hopefully do next year. Uh, aiming to do one or maybe both. We'll see. Maybe Hope, both. Hopefully we can we can be there and see some of the new stuff before, uh, before anyone else. Exactly. Be and really, and really record on
0: location. So that's the aim for next year. So uh, keep posted on that. Just some general news items from the world of Gen Con this year. Obviously, this is it wasn't on last year no. because of the pandemic situation. Loads of backlog. Loads of yeah. backlog. But interestingly enough, there's less titles launched this time. So around 200
1: compared to 2019 show, which was over 600 mm. games. I, I've read some sort of interesting feedback from people who've been there, uh, people who've sort of, you know, put up their their list of their top 10 most interesting sort of titles that they've, they've spotted while they've been there. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people have said it still, relatively speaking, has been very quiet. Yeah. Which is sort of, I guess, mirrors what you've been saying there. But hopefully that means that the titles that are there are the titles that were more, I would say, sort of financially robust, Do you know the what? ones that... that were able to survive uncertainty last yeah, year. Yeah,
0: that plays out with the next bit of feedback and news that I've read, is that despite the relative lack of games, and as you say, with that lack of attendance, the attendance is roughly half that of the 2019 yep. trade show... Nearly every publisher spoken to has said that the sales this year are outpacing that of 2019. Mm-hmm. So despite the smaller amount of attendance, people are spending more. I think it's partly driven by excitement to be back yeah. at the expo, Des- right? Desperate to be outside again. Yeah, and people have been saving some money potentially mm-hmm. over, you know, through through um, through lockdown, not driving, whatever. I know if I was there, I'd be taking several empty suitcases. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just packed this shit. I'm taking, yeah. I'd 100% be questioned by customs on the way back into the country. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. for sure. What have you got in the suitcases, sir? Just board games. Just just really interesting board just games. Co- yeah. Honest. Would, would you like to play one with me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I. But it's nice to know that the publishers are, are seeing that strength of sales and people mm-hmm. are still supporting the industry and supporting it with extra enthusiasm in person and even in spite of that publishers are welcoming being able to talk to people players in person see people mm. interact with the games yeah, in real time
1: i'm sort of i'm sort of jealous oh, actually yeah. of, of the people who managed to go this year when it's quiet yeah with more space it'll be twice as busy next lots day, of yeah. lots of time to speak to the developers uh, they're obviously really really keen to sell you their stuff yeah so it'll be loads uh, of space on yeah. the tables so I, I, yeah i i feel like this year may have been possibly the best year to have gone to something like Gen Con. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I think you're probably right. Yeah, I'm kicking myself now that we didn't sort of think about this months ago, but there was so much uncertainty.
0: Well, exactly. We didn't even know we could travel until last month. So, um, yeah, but I think next year is a plan, uh, possibly get over to the US and go to Gen Con again, because that would be a big one. There's been lots of stories from Gen Con about distribution issues, with record numbers of containers being backed up in customs. You can probably imagine that's the case, mostly due
1: to no suddenly, yeah, no surprise there. Someone, at all. someone parking a big ship in the in the uh, Suez Canal. Yeah, that yeah. was one of the yeah. one <laughs> of the issues. Plus a backlog of you know
0: game development and then delivery um, mm. and kickstarters yeah. being I, delayed. I, I, think and- I was
1: quite fortunate. I had a I had a Kickstarter game that arrived just before said ship was crashed into the canal. <laughs> so I think um, yeah, mine so must, must have been. Must have got through maybe days or a week beforehand. Yeah. Because uh, there was a lot of uncertainty at the time as to, you know, which campaigns, which uh, ships would be affected. Yeah. A lot of the designers just didn't know. They didn't have that much information from the logistics companies.
0: No. And I guess very, very closely related to that is publishers speaking about previously unimaginable prices for containers. Mm. So those shipping containers have a sort of a high price point at this point of $35,000, which is roughly 10 times the
1: price of 2019. I was going to say 40-foot containers. When I was aware of the prices years ago and I worked in logistics, it it was like a 40-foot container was something like five grand. I see. Now to to have such a massive massive cost inflation.
0: It's huge. In 2 years it's mostly through demand right. Every publisher is expecting the retail price of games to go up yeah. in 2022 if not sooner. Given that massive cost on container, which can only be passed towards, mm. yeah, it can only be passed on to the, to the it, end buyer. It, it,
1: it's another, it's another reason for me at the moment why I've been holding off particularly on backing anything that comes in lots of boxes. You know, the game, the CMON games that, yeah. that come with five boxes and two hundred miniatures. Yeah, huge amounts of shipping cost, and that's only going to be. It'll cost you
0: thirty quid plus to get it much, to the much, country. Much 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 worse so. now.
1: Whereas if you're if you are going to back something and it's just a retail version, it's a single box, or it doesn't come with a huge amount of weight and bulk, maybe now is the time to sort of back those projects. Yep. Rather than the really, really enormous heavyweight ones stuff. with lots of miniatures. I mean
0: just as a um comparison, if you've got a container that can say contain five thousand big game boxes, it's roughly seven dollars a copy for shipping, right? Mm-hmm. That's compared to seventy cents a copy two years ago. Mm. It's only going to be passed on, so look out for that. And exactly in line with that, Asmodee announced price increases to select products. Their MSRP is going up, um, mostly to Fantasy Flight products, but also some of the other products in their library. And because Asmodee basically own everything... I'd assume
1: assume that will also eventually filter down to some of their other stuff. I'm sure it will cascade down. You'll see it, uh, and I think you'll see it a lot in um, small indie studios as well, where they they can't necessarily justify trying to absorb some of the shipping costs, and they have to pass it all on.
0: Yeah, and as well as that, it's not just shipping costs. Also, raw material costs are going up. Mm. More desire for recycled plastic more increases on tax on single-use plastics. So all of this will eventually be passed on. Like I say, if, if you've listened to the podcast, you may already know, but Asmodee owns Fantasy Flight, yep. Eldritch Horror, it owns Days of Wonder, it owns um, Matago Games, Plan B Games, Repos, Z-Man, they own a lot of other companies. Potentially, this could trickle down. Let's move on to the world of RPGs, yeah. Tom. What have
1: we got for the world of We've D&D? Got lots of stuff to report for D&D um, okay. for this month. So, for those of you who have been sort of closely paying attention to what Wizards have been rumbling about recently, uh-huh. uh, last weekend, so about a week and a half by the time this goes out, was the D&D uh, celebration announcement, which was talking about a number of upcoming releases. They've teased... Several campaign books mm-hmm. with a little bit of detail, but not very much, to come out over the next year and a half. Mm. They've talked a bit more about the new, uh, the new monsters of the universe. I've seen that. It's a Mordenkainen um, book, so Mordenkainen. So yeah. So they are rewriting uh, Mordenkainen's and Volos, combining the two together with a lot of the stuff from the Monster Manual as a reprint with lots of errata and rewritten stat blocks, particularly things like the current or the more recent UA Kobolds, okay. uh, UA Hobgoblins. Mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. of the stuff that people speculated would be in stuff like the new Feywild book. Yeah. Will instead... Which
0: is in the Wildlight or something? Yeah. Yeah. Or which...
1: yeah. So will instead be in this basically bumper monster manual that combines essentially the lion's share of all of the printed stat blocks from the main three monster books i would be interested to know whether it's worth
0: the purchase if you own those books so
1: so right now it sounds like that is going to be part of a big gift set right Uh, it's something like 170 pounds or dollars i think it's dollars it will be xanathar's guide to everything Mm mm-hmm tasha's tasha's Yep. And the Monsters of the Universe box set. That's so a massive amount of
0: options. It'll be
1: um, basically everything that is outside of the core three rule books. Wow. Okay. So it'll be a really I think it'll be a really, really good buy for people who just have the core books. Yeah. Not so much maybe for, for those of us who already own all of the other books. Yeah, if you bought San et etc. It, yeah. it looks really interesting. It's a special celebration edition uh, yeah. to celebrate their fiftieth anniversary for D and D. Yep. And it'll probably be stamped with a 50th anniversary uh, edition all over it. Um, it comes in a nice like binder. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to have a custom DM screen, like a new DM screen. Nice. Um, and it'll have this fancy new book. I, I, I imagine that the Monsters of the Universe book will also be sold separately. Yeah. But at the moment they've teased this big sort of special edition set, there is, of course, Wild Beyond the Witchlight.
0: The Wild Beyond the Witchlight, that's it. Which
1: the new... is the new adventure. Book uh, set in the Feywild. It is mostly a canned campaign, mm-hmm. but it has several chapters of Feywild style uh, world encounter building. building a little yeah. bit of world building, quite a bit of stat blocks. It's it's still mostly a campaign book. Yeah. So it's more along the lines of one of the other campaigns, so like Ghost Salt yeah. of Saltmarsh, Run the Frost Maiden, something like that, rather than your. Um, Volos Guide to Monsters, yeah. or, or Modern Tome of Foes, something like that.
0: I'd be—I'm still keen to see whether they will ever explore Greyhawk again,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Or, ah, um, so uh, what I mentioned before mm-hmm. with them teasing several setting books. Yeah, uh, that's quite a possibility. So very nice. Uh, and actually, so this coming October, so in a few in a few weeks' time, there will be uh, Fizban's. Guide to Dragons, I think it's called, coming out. Nice. Which is going to be another book that is more of a splat book than a setting book or a or a, um, an adventure book. Mm-hmm. It is a book with lots and lots and lots of nice tarted up reprinted dragon stat blocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, 80, apparently. Bloody hell. Including all the new or reprinted, because they were in previous editions, but reprinted versions updated for 5th edition for all of the gem dragons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to have a lot of new stuff. It's apparently going to have a lot of stuff teasing um, information from the Dragonlance setting. Nice, okay. Which would be interesting to see, because that hasn't been around since, uh, well, a a long time. No, 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 no. We I think 2nd edition was Dragonlance. I don't think there was a 3rd edition book for it. It
0: feels like... Since the release of 5e in sort of mid to late 2014, it's mostly been
1: focused on the Forgotten Realms for the last absolutely, five, yeah, yeah, almost all the adventure exception. books, yeah, all the adventure books, certainly. I think with the Hasbro Wizards merger thing, um, that happened, that has shifted things a lot, yeah. Uh, we've seen certainly over the last two years or so a really, really big development in terms of extra Splat Books being available. Yeah. Uh, some new setting style stuff. We saw um, some for Eberron. Um, Eberron has made, saw, made a comeback, which have. I love. Yeah. We haven't seen Spelljammer. Not and yet. We
0: haven't seen Dark, Dark Sun. Dark Sun, Dark no. Sun. But
1: again, they may be on the table for these upcoming setting books, which is really interesting. Although, I suspect that at least one, maybe two of those will be probably more like Magic the Gathering settings, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. given the merger. The,
0: well, of course, and also Magic's recent set
1: based, in the, based on D&D. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're, they're doing a lot of crossover at the moment, so you've got the Strixhaven card set, Yeah, and then Strixhaven is found its way into D&D. Mm-hmm. That's uh, one of the, the other upcoming books this year, and then yeah, vice versa. You've got a card set that is based on a lot of iconic d d stuff. Yeah. Again, mostly Forgotten Realms stuff. So that's found its way into the Magic the Gathering catalogue now, along with everything else under the sun.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. What is this I hear about a 5.5? Ooh, yeah. So that next is, on the news list? This is, this is um, something that, that they didn't say a huge amount about. Right. But they've teased, so we're talking a long way in the future still. It's 2024, Mm. apparently. They very specifically said it is going to be a new evolution of uh, Dungeons & Dragons. And they made a point of highlighting that all of the current 5th edition books would be backwards compatible. Do you
0: know what? That's super important. The explosion of popularity in D&D is... Almost entirely due to the rewrite of the system for 5e. Yeah. It would be very
1: foolish for them to rewrite it again. Uh, I, uh, so what I've seen so far, a lot of people are speculating, obviously, and people are getting wound up about it, but it sounds like it will be a 5.5. An iterative, like 3.5 similar, Yeah, Similar to going from 3rd edition to 3.5. Yeah. A lot of the books remained relevant, maybe not entirely and what they did was they essentially rewrote the core books. Again, the Player's Handbook, Monster's Manual, and the DM's Guide to be... Sort of rebalancing. yet yeah, to clarify some of the stuff that was broken and, yeah. and didn't work and to make it clearer, yeah. um, which hopefully that's what they're going to do. They had, um, last year, they had a lot of uh, surveys that were sent out to the community, particularly around the Player's Handbook and the core classes. Yep. So I'm cautiously optimistic that they will rewrite rebalance some of that stuff i hope i hope that they will address certainly some of the things like the the emphasis that many many players and dms seem to have around more role-playing heavy games yeah which is not really a traditional dnd trope i mean dnd dnd in the past has been much more about the sort of the dungeon crawl and yeah a lot that's of the right. game is Balanced around that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the popularity of things like critical role have really, really, really drawn people into a ver- into the heavy role playing side. It's been pushed of and pulled D&D. into the ro- yeah into the role playing space much which, more than which it is was interesting yeah. because because D anD D although it you know it makes a big deal about being designed around the three pillars like exploration, social, and combat yeah. The the former two really are nowhere near as developed as the latter. The no, exploration, absolutely game. not.
0: No, you're quite right. Social, okay, maybe Ex- exploration, not really at all. No, no.
1: combat. You're right. It's. So I'm hoping there. that they will do a lot to sort of flesh out those other two pillars. That they will rebalance the classes to sort of address that balance, and that the current encounter balance, where they you know where they make recommendations, vague as you like, and arguments abundant on the internet about having six to eight medium to hard encounters a day. Nobody yeah. does that. Nobody does like that. Nobody does that. Not not even most of the pre-printed campaign books do that. No.
0: Interestingly enough, between 3.5 and 4th edition was five years, between 2003 and 2008. Yep. Then between 2008 and 2014, so uh, six years, Yep. Uh, was 5th uh, edition. So we are about due mm-hmm. for an update. There was only three years between
1: third edition and three point five, so it was a funny thing. It's kind of yeah. So I, I think I think they've they've really stretched out fifth edition. They have, um, and it's been extremely extremely popular, largely thanks to the streamlining. The, the streamlining of the game and the uptake by podcasts and live streamers. Yeah, it's In- become very very much more mainstream than it, than it ever was before, and. 5th edition is so much simpler than 4th edition. As much as I love 4th edition, it is impenetrable for new players. <laughs> well, the change to a
0: singular proficiency bonus yeah. and to advantage-disadvantage in place of yeah. um, individual A, a million, million different
1: plus ones that you got to keep track of. Yeah.
0: Unbelievable streamlining, mm-hmm. which has been very successful. Um yeah, but well, that's very, very exciting news. And it would be interesting to see how that develops. And yeah, we'll keep our tabs on it and report yeah. on that, I think, monthly. Ca-
1: cautiously optimistic. Yeah, For cautiously now. Optimistic. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'm sure that there will be some stuff that is rendered obsolete. But you're not going to have to go out and buy all of your books again. Yeah. Wouldn't panic just yet because we're still talking about 2024. That's a while, and and it's unlikely that wizards will shoot themselves in the foot, making a big deal about printing their fiftieth uh, anniversary special edition set, uh, plus and then, and then immediately plus four it setting books, yeah. and then go. Actually, none of this stuff is valid anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it too much at the moment. It's very unlikely to be anything yeah. like the jump from three point five to four or from four to five, where it's it also changed drastically.
0: Yeah, and plus, it's also important to remember that each edition of D and D, or indeed most role playing franchises or systems, are valid in and of themselves. Oh, absolutely. You know, you play. It, yeah, that's you can quite happily today pick up three point five and play within that realm, mm-hmm. or in or. AD&D if you wanted to and do, you know, THAC zero armor calculation. So, it's entirely up to you what edition you play, but I'm interested to see the development, how well it integrates with the current edition and see where they go. It's probably
1: due for a little tidy up. It, so, it, it needs it, yeah. Past yeah. a certain point, um, the editions you end up really with, creep. Yeah, they do. Um, Power and, and, and fifth, scope creep. Yeah, fifth edition has been actually very good for that. Yeah. Until, it, until the last couple of years. They kept the tight rain on the players' very, choices. very tight rain. Yeah. Uh, it was mostly just adventure books, actually, printed up until Xanathars came out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then between Xanathars and Tashus, there was another big gap.
0: Mm. We hope you've enjoyed our month in review for September 2021. Thank you for listening to Board Stupid. Subscribe to us for updates and to get future episodes of the show delivered directly to your earholes via your favourite podcast service. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram.com forward slash BoardStupid UK spelled B-O-A-R-D and at our home anchor.fm forward slash board Stupid again spelled B-O-A-R-D if you like our content do us a massive favour give us a 5 star review wherever you can review us and share the links to our content on social media if you've got any feedback comments or questions stick it in the comments below because we love to hear from you what is your game of the month? Have you got a memorable gaming moment that you want to share with us? What game or Kickstarter is next in line to take a fat chunk out of your wages? Thanks for listening.
1: We'll catch you again real soon. I wonder if Simon's still waiting for that bus.